Welcome to Around the Table. In the second part of this series on communion, we share the elders' perspective of this special service, consider why blood is required for remission of sins, and ponder the great mystery of this holy rite. I'd like, if you're willing, to share a little bit about how communion changed as you became an elder and had responsibility for administering it. And just if you have any thoughts on that, I'll I'll open with, um, none of us sought after or seek after a leadership position. We, We believe that God calls and puts us in different places. But the privilege of administering communion to a congregation Sometimes I wish each each brother and sister there could have that privilege of going around and, and actually administering. And I, I wonder sometimes if I would treat communion with the specialness that I do, if there wasn't that piece to kind of push me toward looking at it more carefully, thinking about it. But it is it is truly one of the things we do that I just would not consider as a burden, but as a privilege um, to be able to share it with those that we we shepherd it in love in our church. Yeah, I think that's well said. There's so many aspects that uh, seeing it from the other side, so to speak, is is just really helpful in being intentional and in seeing the the deep meaning and aspects. But uh, I, that being said, I also think that I I I love seeing how each congregant experiences it as we have the privilege to share um and you can you can see just the beauty of that and in expressed in different ways some that are not emotional as you mentioned earlier and some that maybe are and uh more so and it's just yeah it did bring a new dynamic to it that's for sure one of the things that that i experienced um Likewise, Tom, that new perspective, I appreciate so much when after communion, people would come up to me and just be so appreciative of being able to partake of communion. And that is that seeing that um, just that deep desire that you mentioned earlier, Christ desired to ha- eat this Passover with his mm-hmm. disciples and uh, seeing that deep desire on people's heart has affected me, has made me even appreciate communion more and um, just going up and down the, the aisles there and looking at each person and, and seeing that love um, has been so special. Let's go ahead and move into, um, and some of this we've mentioned, but to more specifically talking about, so when Christ said, this bread is my body, we understand, well, we seek to understand the significance of that. But specifically what he said, it's my body, which is broken. And I'm, I'm interested in how you, how you make sense of that or interpret. What, what is he talking about when he said, this is my body. And as you break it, my, my, literally my body will be broken for you. You're recognizing that it was. What is that brokenness? Yeah, that, that's a great thought, Ron. I, I'm sure I'll only scratch the surface. You know, and, and we know the scripture tells us that his um, his bones were not to be broken. And we know that they were not broken. And yet, um, I believe uh, m- most of the Gospels reference br- broken. But um, one of the scriptures that I always reference when I 
quote a scripture when we're breaking the bread together as elders in front of the congregation. I'll reference the um, the scripture in Luke, which talks about his body. This is my body, which is given for you. But nonetheless, the other two gospels that reference this are, are no less accurate when they use the word broken, because when we think about broken bodies and we think about what Jesus went through for us and he he was he was beaten he was whipped with shards of, of metal tearing his flesh. He had a crown of thorns that was pressed upon his head. He had nails that would have been driven through uh, between the, the joints of his hands and his feet. And then ultimately he had a spear that pierced his side and, um, and caused the water and the blood to flow. And, and so truly he, he had a broken body. Um, but perhaps Ronnie's also talking there about the, the, the agony, you know, um, in the garden of bearing our sin and, and just broken spiritually from the standpoint of sweat drops of blood as he prayed there. He was so intense and so much stress upon his, his spiritual man to think about the, what that, the brokenness of what he would feel maybe of, taking on all of our sin. So I think it could have um, many, many different dimensions. I appreciate your laying those out because I think it's one of those that as we take communion or, or when we're just thinking about it, sometimes that piece broken doesn't, um, we're not sure what to make of it because we think of broken as, you know, something which is snapped in two. And as one of you said, his bones weren't broken, but he was broken. And and I appreciate how you laid that out. So like do the same with the, um, the wine, you know, he said it represents his blood, and um, why? Why did that have to happen? You know, I think it'd be good for us to talk about why. Why was it necessary? Especially, he was dead already. You know, we think of his crucifixion. I do when I think of it, and I think of his crying out with a loud voice and saying, "It's finished," and and I think that's it's complete. Why did the soldier have to pierce his side, and he shed blood? Right. Beyond just dying, yeah. It's uh, as we look at um, all the way back in the very beginning with uh, Adam and Eve and sin entering into the world. We know that uh, God killed an animal to cover them, and so there was shed blood uh, there. And the scriptures are very clear from that point all the way through till Christ, that uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And um, we know that up until Christ, it was shed frequently, the blood of you know lambs and goats and bulls, and could not cover. It was a temporary, it was a pointing to the ultimate once, once for all sacrifice that uh, Christ gave on, on Calvary. So the Many, many references in Scripture to the the shedding of blood to cover sin. And I think it's very interesting to me, and maybe this is getting off topic a little bit uh, where you wanted to go, Ron, but uh, when I think of the symbol of using wine for the blood, there's many you know other things potentially that could have been used, I guess, for that. But and I don't know all the reasons, and I may be totally, completely off, but when you think about how wine is made with grapes being crushed, that the juice can come out, I, I think it's very symbolic of 
of the, well, God even uses that term that his wrath was poured out and it just the, the crushing. And I don't know, I'm sure there's a lot of symbolism there that I don't even, it probably none of us fully understand, but uh, anyway, I just find it very interesting. No, I appreciate you sharing that. I have a question for you. Um, and maybe it's unfair, but even from the beginning, why do you think that God chose blood as the the atoning factor for sin as opposed to something else? Like what what does blood represent? Or I don't know, it's interesting your thoughts on yeah. why that. And then we see it carried out when Christ, in fact, his side was pierced and his blood fell on the earth as that right. the sacrifice part the sacrifice and the bloodshedding part of that gift. Yeah. Why blood? I think it's an excellent question. The The verse that comes to my mind when you ask that is, um, I forget exactly, it may be the verse in Acts after the uh, the Jerusalem conference, I'm not sure, but it, it talks about not, uh, well, somewhere, maybe that's not even where it's at, but it talks about the life being in the blood. Um, the, the scripture talks about that's what, that's what comes to my mind, but I, I haven't given that piece a lot of thought. No. But I, I appreciate it. that would be mine also that there your our bodies are made up of lots of different you know organs and pieces and all of that. But it seems from the beginning that blood represented life, and and there had the blood was shed to represent that life was given because of the brokenness that sin caused. I'd like to talk a little bit tonight and just share whatever thoughts you have about um, how much is it okay with you personally, and how much would you encourage your church to um to accept that to accept what they don't know you know we have in our body um people who are very deep scholars whose inclination would be to um find every reference and understand perfectly we have others who um whose faith is based on just a very simple teaching and understanding but what is this mystery piece i think we would agree that we can try to describe communion, but when we're all done, we would still say it's a great mystery. Why we do it, what happened, the meaning of it. Any thoughts on what value that adds, the mystery that's in it? I would just maybe say as starting point here that it's the mystery of that, I would say is similar to our salvation. When we think about how we came to the Lord and he drew us. Um, it was probably a combination of, of a lot of things. Our knowledge, maybe the conviction of sin upon our heart, maybe, maybe love drew us, but ultimately the faith that we had was a gift of God. And the fact that we were born again in and of itself, I believe is a mystery that is affirming of the the obedience that we have to the scriptures and and maybe we can approach the aspect of communion in a similar way we don't have to understand it all there's a beauty and i think we've already mentioned this there's a beauty in obedience of just trusting an almighty living god who we recognize is far above us those spiritual things which um, are difficult to understand and are strong on mystery, I think that they reinforce both the glory of God, but also the um, the immensity, whether we see omnipotence or whichever one of those terms we want to use. But 
the fact that God is that much bigger than we are and that that's a good thing. And I think the mystery, letting it be a mystery, lets God be God, lets him be much more than we are. And I think that's a good thing. And maybe I would just add one more quick thing, and that is, and we probably all have to work on this ourselves, just trusting God that his Holy Spirit will give us what we are to have in terms of understanding and yeah. and and be able to have confidence to move forward in in that in in what he has shared with us sometimes we we don't want to move forward because we don't understand everything i think that's a more significant statement than you might think i think it's really important that we individually and that we share that with others so let's just spend a little bit this is something that happens for um, anybody who's going to be coming to take communion as we're encouraged to prepare but just maybe as kind of the concluding thoughts on this um, podcast about what does that mean? What what would you encourage someone if they asked you individually, what do you encourage your church as they think about preparing to take communion in a way that it will be meaningful, that they will be blessed by it? So just um, share whatever thoughts come to mind that you would give as an encouragement to someone. Encouragement uh, I often give is, just for them to take time, quiet time, especially to come quietly before the Lord in, in light of his word and allow his spirit to to search our hearts individually. I love the prayer of David in Psalm 139, the last couple of verses that I often point to as part of that searching. And uh, also just many scriptures that uh, uh, allow us to kind of step aside from all the demands and craziness of life to to really quiet ourselves before the Lord, which we should do regularly. I should do regularly, but this gives affords us a time, a very special time to do that. And that's probably one of the main encouragements that I give to allow the spirit to really speak to us. Um, it hits on a point that's just very central to my thinking that we, we administer communion as elders, but really people take communion. And they need to think of it as an active thing, which is going to be happening. And our preparation cannot prepare them to be blessed in communion. They have to spend that time, quiet time, time reading scripture, not necessarily time studying. That would be fine. It's okay. But just the, the reflection, or sometimes I like to think of the term maybe just immersion in, in what happened is a way to, as you said, to let God prepare them mm-hmm. to receive communion. In, in a way that's beautiful, uh, meaningful um, for them. I would agree with that 100%. And, and as a as kind of a final end result of that preparation, to think about yourself and ourselves coming to that time of communion and some just individual words came to my mind, and that is uh, worship, surrender, love, and abandon yourself for Christ and his body. And that part of his body, and and I think it was mentioned earlier here, that Christ did this with all of his disciples, and there was a beauty in the communion that they had together. And let your brothers and sisters in Christ encourage you. If we can come in our brokenness and in our weakness and in our infirmities, and and embrace our brothers and sisters with that love that Christ wanted us to have as the body of Christ, 
and we think about that as our as where we're headed, I, I think we will be all encouraged and we will strengthen each other in this process. I appreciate the reflection on the um, the significance of we do it together, that we come as a body. You, you could We could take communion alone. It could be one of those things that we each find a time and do that, but it would not have the same meaning as it does when we sit down as Jesus did with his disciples, as we sit down with family, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and share communion both individually, is the meaning it has for us individually, but also there is clearly a sense when we're done, as we exit the assembly and as people visit, that the church has shared communion and that that's very meaningful that that happened. Do you brothers have any concluding thoughts? I just pray that uh, each one can experience the beauty of being in communion with the Lord and being able to share that with him and with each other. And may that be a blessing to all. I would agree a hundred percent. Yeah. And and I would also, the um, the last thought I want to share is just one I think we maybe aren't as careful to do as we should, but to recognize that communion, as some older elders said, it was holy communion. It it, it speaks to the reverence with which we should know God and reflect on the things that he's done, the sacredness of him. And his scripture tells us the holiness that he shares with us. And communion is one of those times as we come together We not only know the holiness of God, but there is some sense that we participate in it as we share in communion together. Thanks for listening. Around the Table is available on AC Central and now also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. It is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church.